Welcome to The Living Podcast. My name is Rosemary Burgos, and this space was created to share my soul's journey through the human experience. It's a place for questioning our thoughts, opening our hearts, and our minds. I hope you enjoy. Today I want to talk about living my life outside of victim consciousness or outside of the victim mentality. My goal with this podcast was to try to give or to speak on an episode every week. And the last two weeks have been very full for me in many facets of life where I feel like a lot was coming my way. And it hasn't really let up much, but I kind of want to share my process of how I go about these difficult moments in life because I think it's important if you're on a path of being awake or conscious or spirituality that you see things for what they are and not for the stories that we make up in our minds. Um, part of living out of outside of victim consciousness is really getting into your body. A practice of becoming more aware of what's happening inside your body, the sensations that arise in different moments in different interactions, and in different experiences. Noticing where you carry tightness in your body. Noticing if your shoulder blades are always pulled together tightly and your upper back is always cinched and seizing or spasming because it's just so tight there. And that's where you carry a lot of tension from your emotion. Whether you walk around hunched over, you know, with your shoulders kind of rolled forward, letting your chest cave in, That's usually a sign of protecting yourself, a feeling like there's something coming to get you, like there's some harm in the way, coming your way. You know, the more we can live in a relaxed state with our bodies at ease, our hearts open, shoulders back, releasing the tension from every place that we have it. Sometimes I feel it in my stomach. Sometimes I feel it in my chest. Sometimes I feel it in my back. Sometimes it's in a right hip or a left hip. And I want to bring that to this conversation because it matters because we need to get ourselves out of our minds. I always questioned a lot of things when I was younger. I never fully understood the picture. I remember being very young and talking to my dad. I don't remember about the specific scenario, but I remember being like, what if this person's just doing this because of this? What if this person's just doing it because of that? What if I'm reacting because of this or that? And, uh, My dad said something to me, which now I look back and I go, wow, that was really the first nudge. But he said to me, the fascinating thing about the human brain is that it can justify any amount of bullshit you want it to. And I fully have come to realize that our brains, our minds, will tell us any story to make our bodies feel less or to pretend to make our bodies feel less. And what I mean by that is... We will have moments in life where we have an interaction with something. Um, They say something that does not feel good in our system. And we will either, depending on our upbringing and all the conditioning and programming we have, we can justify it by being like, oh, well, this person really loves me. So they're just telling me that hard thing that I didn't want to hear because they want to be honest and they love me, right? Or we can justify oh, this person really doesn't like me because if they liked me and loved me, they wouldn't speak to me that way. Or we can justify, this person's really jealous of me. Did you just hear what they said to me? God, that was awful, right? Our, our human mind can justify anything. 
And when we operate in victim consciousness, meaning that we operate that life is a result of everything that everyone else does to us, which is really all over the place right now in society and all over the world, it's so-and-so's fault, right? The victim triangle has three, three edges, right? It has the persecutor, the rescuer, and the victim. The person who feels like, poor me, everything happens to me. Everybody's just so mean. Nobody sees me. The persecutor who says, it's all your fault. You did this. You're the one that's always doing harm. And then there's a rescuer. The rescuer, I think, is the most easily identifiable because it's the person who always wants to fix things. It's the person who always wants to make peace. The person who always wants to be the mediator. We see this a lot in society. We see a lot of people in the, our politics. We see a lot of, of victim blaming, a lot of victim consciousness. And it's always touchy when I, when I talk about it on a personal level, when there's abuse, when there's killing, when there's uh, murder, because it's there's nothing justifiable about those actions, right? Unless you're protecting yourself. And so for the sake of this conversation, I'm just going to put it, put it out there from the beginning that like when I talk about victim consciousness, I'm not saying that bad things don't happen to you or that everything that happens to you, you're responsible for or you created or you caused. That's, that's way deeper than I want to get here today. What I really want to talk about is the wounds from, from just interrelationships, you know, marriage, friendships, coworkers, your boss, those relationships. And I'm really focusing on those today because they're what I have the most experience in. And to be honest, I'm usually the one in the, in any relationship that is getting, um, who's taking on the role of the persecutor, who's the one that gets villainized by the victims or the rescuers. And I'm not saying, I'm not sharing this because I want anyone to feel bad for me. I'm fine. I'm sharing this because there's a way that we don't want to see the way we participate in this triangle or in this circle of shifting from victim to rescuer to persecutor. You know, in, in the roles that I've mostly played in, it's, it's someone usually saying, she did something to me. She's not a good person. She hurt me, right? And there's usually not a place of self-internal reflection in those moments. And today I'm going to share a couple stories, <laughs> factual stories, about things that happened in my life where it's been that way. And again, it's nothing more than like, I finally have a place to share the truth about things. I finally can share the truth about things. So I'm going to start off with growing up and the type of child I was in my teenage and young adult years. Like I've always been a person who just says whatever's on her mind. I've always been a person who also was raised with the idea that when you love someone, you tell them the truth. And I mean your opinionated truth, right? Like the opinion of like, you shouldn't be wearing that. That's not flattering. When that's really none of my business, right? That's judgment. That's not truth. There's a way that, that I've always said things that people haven't wanted to hear. Well, I had a friend who called me one day to ask me if what another friend had said about her behavior on a particular special day of her life was accurate or not. And I had chosen at that point to not share 
that I, I had felt that way. I felt there was nothing, there was no reason for me to share that on this particular special day in her life, she was not kind, that she seemed very distracted, that she seemed not happy for all of us to be there. I didn't think it was important. I was supposed to be there for that special day in her life to support her, to be by her side, and as her friend, to love her no matter how she showed up during a day that was really important to her. I remember that all of us ladies that were there that day made a pact that we weren't going to bring this up because it was her special day, and we, we, could, we could handle it for one day. We've handled much worse, right? And after all, nothing was directed at any one of us. It was just for whatever reason that that was what we were getting from this relationship that day. And I remember my friend calling me and saying that one of the other ladies that was there had called her and had just unleashed on her everything she disliked about that day and how she didn't like the way she was treated. And my friend said to me, was it really like that? Was, was I really that bad? And it was a really hard moment for me because I loved my friend. I, I didn't feel like she was so guilty that it, like, like I said, it was a day that it was just one day. She was having a bad one and it was a really special day. And yeah, we all had these ideas of what that a day should look like. But at the end of the day, it was her day and she could let it be whatever it needed to be for her. It was really none of our business. We were there to support her and love her. And it was one of the hardest conversations I had with her because like, yes, it was a hard day to be in her presence when she was feeling all of these things that we weren't used to being around her and feeling. Was I mad at her for it? Absolutely not. Did I need to tell her about it? Absolutely not. Not because I didn't want her to feel something because it was her special day. She, she's entitled to feel any way she wants to feel. And it was really none of my business. But my point of the story is she called me because she wanted to know if there was any truth to what was being said to her. And it took a lot of love to say, well, yeah, I think a lot of us expected that day to be different than it was, but you were going through a lot. Uh, you, weren't, you weren't necessarily, you know, 100% there with all the distractions that had happened prior to that day. And uh, I had no intention of saying anything about it because I, I know it wasn't necessarily, like it wasn't the true thing, but I couldn't be dishonest with her about the fact that like, yeah, it was abnormal. It was not a way we're used to seeing her. I did that a lot throughout school without people's permission. You know, I would just say the thing um, and it wasn't kind and it wasn't nice. But at that age, I just, I just thought that was being honest. That was being truthful. And I think as I've gotten older, you know, I was also raised in a household where like you told each other the truth. If your family wasn't willing to tell you the truth, who would be willing to tell you the truth? So I treated my family that way. You know, um, I'm a mom of five kids and my first three kids got a lot of that. A lot of that opinionated judgment, a lot of that opinionated um, truth. I say in quotation marks because it's not. It's my own, it's, it's not even my own beliefs. It's beliefs from society. It's beliefs that aren't mine that I was just repeating like a little parrot to my children. And I'm, I'm not sharing all this because I feel bad and I'm like beating myself up about it. Absolutely not. I've already gone through that stage. And I, I firmly believe that I wouldn't be where I'm at today had I not experienced everything I've experienced. 
And some people will say, well, you bring that on yourself. And it's like, well, it's part of my learning, right? It's part of my journey here on earth. As I've gotten older, I've definitely learned not to operate on the victim consciousness, not to be the persecutor. And maybe maybe that's the thing. Like maybe I made myself the persecutor by always being the one who wanted to be out in the forefront telling what I thought was the truth. That I mean, that makes you an easy target, I think. When you're bold enough to just say whatever the hell's on your mind, whether people like it or not, whether you look like a bitch or not, whether you're nice or not, <laughs> whether you're liked or not. And I think that was kind of an overcorrection from some time in my life when I tried to be really nice. I tried to be really good. And I felt like people didn't like me anyway. So I overcorrected to the opposite. When I, I've gone back, you know, since this path of spirituality I've been on the last couple of years, I've gone back and I've revisited a lot of different scenarios where I've had falling outs or disconnections with people. And... Why, why did I have them? And some of them come down to, I'm a pretty outspoken person. I'm an honest person. I'm a loyal person. And uh, when I don't get that back, I feel deeply unseen. Or when people don't see that in me, I feel deeply unseen. And it really shakes my core because it's like their own story is covering the facts of what's really occurred in some of these relationships. I'm going to talk about it from a boss perspective because I am a boss. I am an owner of a company. I do have coworkers. I don't like using the boss term anymore, but I mean, in the chain of command, if you were going to call that the organizational chart, that's what I am, right? I'm a supervisor. I'm a manager. I oversee a lot of people in, in company work and people always want to villainize the boss. People always want to say, things that aren't nice about the boss. They always want to criticize the boss. They always want to judge the boss. And I also find it interesting that it's a lot of women doing it to other women, right? And, I, and I'm not saying this from like a sexist, feminist point of view because that's not my point. My point is, is as women, we do a really bad job of empowering each other. You know, we seek for men to empower us and, you know, the patriarchy to see us as, as, as equal, but yet we're very eager to tear each other apart by how we dress, how we act. If we're ahead of somebody in, in the company, if we're rising up the ladder and others aren't, like we're very quick to tear people apart. And it's all because of a lack of self-introspection, self-awareness. It's also a lack of looking at yourself and your personal responsibility of how you're behaving. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a perfect boss. I definitely screw up and I'm definitely um, more readily available to apologize now than I ever have been. But there's moments where people want to make me the bad guy for things that I didn't choose. There's a certain thing that when you decide to be more responsible than other people in a management position that you don't get to choose to take off 12 weeks of work because you just want to. You can, but that doesn't mean that when you come back that everybody on your team that was underneath you at all these various locations are going to see you as the same person, as their equal, or as their boss, because you chose to take off time in a moment when they were scared too. You left them. You didn't back them. I've had people blatantly steal products from my company to ship to family members. When your fellow employees can see you slacking on the job, 
or leaving work early all the time or making excuses on why you can't be at work and you're responsible for them as a manager. And then when it was time for them to leave the company, decide that I'm the bad guy. As if I made those choices for them that would end up with that ending. There's a story that people paint about themselves being victims when they chose the path they chose. There's a certain responsibility you have to take about how you can behave in relationships, how you can behave with your boss, how you can behave with your coworkers. If you're constantly gossiping and you're constantly talking shit about people at your place of work, why are you there? What is going on in your life that talking crap about your employees would make you feel better about yourself? What are you avoiding not seeing in your own life that is really the spot that you're unhappy about? It's leaky. It's extremely leaky energy. And then when your supervisor, your manager, your boss comes in and calls you on it and says, hey, that's not a good look. That's not how we, we manage around here. That's not you get mad at them. You talk more shit. You double down on your bad behavior. You know, friendships. You make deals in friendships. I remember making a promise with one of my best friends that's no longer friends with me. And uh, our promise was that if a certain thing ever happened, we would talk about it. We wouldn't let this thing ever affect our friendship. And when it happened, I wasn't given that opportunity to talk about it. I was cut off. I was blocked. Any mutual friends were called and I was destroyed verbally with my friends. I was the villain. I was evil. Someone needed to get back at me. Someone needed to put me in my place. It was never about what they could do to stay in connection. I have people I've never met upset because HR made a decision that I had nothing to do with. But they think I did. Because they need someone to blame. Instead of looking like, where was I irresponsible? Where wasn't I professional? Everybody wants the kingdom. They want the keys to the kingdom. They want luxury. They want nice houses. They want fancy cars. Are you the person that can hold all that? Are you the king that's acting like that? Or do you have the behavior of a king or a queen? It takes an immense amount of responsibility to have the life you say you want. You can't be nilly-willy. And you certainly can't look outside of yourself to place blame. Some of our greatest leaders in the world have been people who have focused internally on what they can do about a certain situation. Quotes like, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Or be the change you want to see in the world. And so many more. They knew what they were signing up for to lead people. So... What's my point of talking about all this and not being specific enough on some of these examples? Because let's face it, I don't want to fully disclose people because that's not what this is about. This is just about the part that what do you participate in that you're not taking responsibility for? And you're not taking responsibility for because you're operating in, in victimhood. Whether it's persecuting someone, whether it's rescuing someone from their own crap, or whether it's just sitting in your own victimness. Where do you see yourself defaulting to like, oh, this is just the way life goes. Life's so horrible to me. I never get what I want. 
that person did this to me, that person did that to me, that's why I can't go do this, that's why I can't go do that. Where do you operate there? Because see, if you're on the journey of spirituality, I believe, you can't operate on that circle or on that triangle. You have to consciously decide that you're getting off of it and everything that happens to you is because there's a lesson to be learned. There's something to see there. Everybody's a mirror to you. It's like I was having a conversation with someone today about the fact that like, yes, I'm a divorced woman. And yes, my ex-husband and I have different opinions about why we're divorced. And I'm going to be honest that I get really upset when I hear his opinion of why we're divorced. And that's okay. I'm human. Like I can get angry. I can still mess up. That's just part of the human experience. I Being spiritual doesn't mean you don't have moments of anger, rage, frustration, or going off on people. You do. You certainly do. But as my teacher taught me, the path is to trust that everything that happens is for you. Everything that happens is imperfectly perfect. And again, I'm not talking about the really horrific things here. So I want to make sure no one twists my words there, that I'm not talking about the really, really bad stuff right now. I'm talking about relationships, exchanges, in, in emotional exchanges, energetic exchanges with people. What does it take for you to look inward every time something bothers you? What does it take for you to sit across someone who says their experience is different than yours? For example, in my, my marriage, his experience, if you ask him, is much different than mine. If I remove all emotion and I just focus on facts... I can see very clearly the reason for our divorce, but it still upsets me to hear his. And the biggest part of that is because I feel so unseen after being with someone for 18 years. It's like, how could you never see me? And when I go back to all of these uh, disconnected relationships, friendships I've had with people, it's the same thing. Every relationship I had that has been disconnected has started out of love, out of care. Yeah, you're fit to do this job. You're fit to fit this, this role in my life. And I, I love you. I connect with you. And then at some point down the road, something happens. I'm the devil. I'm the evil one. I'm persecuted and left behind and dropped, disconnected from. I'm not going to sit here and act like that doesn't hurt because it sure does. But this is also the journey of when you are capable and when you have done a lot with your life, and when you are successful in a lot of situations, people deem you as strong. And when you've been taught to not show your vulnerable side, like I have, people think that you're, you're tougher, that you can handle it all. And the truth is it hurts. It hurts deeply. And so my practice in these moments, and after I go back and I look at every single one of these scenarios, is where, where, did, I, where did I let that in? Where did I not act professional? Where did I not act responsible? Where did I allow myself to be leaky with my energy? The practice is now no longer what they did to me. It's, oh, interesting. You said that we got divorced for X reason, and I'm really upset about that. Why am I so upset about that? What does that say about me if that were true? And I don't know what path my ex is on. I just know that I'm on a path of a lot of self-awareness. And it's just not my ex. It's ex-friends, ex-whatevers, ex-bosses, ex-coworkers. 
It can be anybody. But why did I react the way I did in certain scenarios in my past now that I'm in this spot that I'm in where I'm living in such awareness or such consciousness? And it's like going back to these moments where I had explosive moments too. Like I'm not claiming that I didn't do some things wrong in these engagements. Of course I did in some of them. And some of them I did not. But it's what is there for me to see in every one of these exchanges? I used to be a very black and white thinker. You know, there was no room for gray thinking. It was just, it was either this way or that way. And now I find myself holding all different types of nuances, all different types of discussions, because it's not, it's not black and white. When your boss makes a decision with you, it's not black and white. You may be a really great asset to the company as far as productivity and performance goes, but your attitude and victimness may be toxic to the work culture. And no one has any control to awaken you to that except yourself. And in your relationships, I was having another conversation today with a friend about relationships and how it's hard to sometimes be in relationships with people who don't want to hear your honesty. And again, I'm not talking about honesty like, oh, that doesn't look good on you. It's not flattering. That's none of their business. I'm talking about honesty like, hey, I see you obsessing about this guy again, or I see you going down the same path that you say you don't want to be going on, uh, going on again. Do you see what I see or, or am I wrong? A lot of people, a lot of friends can't handle that type of relationship because they just want you to collude with them. They want you to say, oh yeah, definitely. Let me help you look at that. Let me help you go investigate that thing. Let me tell you what a piece of shit that person is. Let me go ahead and make you believe everything you believe. There's tons of people like that. And the people that still don't talk to me to this day, I know have people like that in their life. I've lost a lot of friends. I say friends because friends kind of in quotation marks because I thought they were friends because one person had a strong opinion about something that I didn't even do to them. Not even directly to them. I didn't do anything to them directly. They just heard one side of the story from another person, never bothered to hear mine and made the decision that that was enough so that they didn't have to hold the other person responsible or themselves responsible to having a conversation with me. I've said it before and I'll say it again that the spiritual path is a path of loss. I remember when my teacher said that, I was like, really, how much do I have to lose? And she said to me, everything that's not true. Everything that's not true. So when people come up from my past and I've evaluated the scenarios that have disconnected us, I remember that they're not a part of my life because they were no longer true. And if they're no longer true, that means that their ideas, their values, their perception of who I am is also no longer true to me. But it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. So the past two weeks, I spent a lot of time revisiting a lot of these different experiences, situations that I've had in my past. And, it, and it's involved a lot of revisiting hurt. And it's involved a ton of crying, a ton of crying. And I'm sharing that with you again, because it's not because I need pity. It's I don't want your pity. I'm good. I've got myself. It's that that is the alchemy of the process is the fact that we actually feel the pain that we've had in relationship with other people. It's not about your mind rationalizing, oh, that happened because of this and this person has probably this wound and this is, it's like, no, let your body feel what it felt like when that friend did that to you. 
And when I say did that to you, I mean disconnected from you, whatever the factual thing is, not the storyline of my friend did that to me because she's malicious. That's not necessarily true. That's just a story your mind's made up so that you don't have to feel a deeper thing of, damn, that hurt. It's just letting, letting the emotions out. That's the stuck energy that keeps our body contracted in certain places. That's when a muscle hurts, when a specific part of your body hurts. It's stored energy as emotion that needs to move. You know, with people who are on the spiritual path, we always joke because part of our process also is screening and getting angry. Letting our rage all the way through in a non-harmful way. I can't tell you how many times my kids have laughed hearing me scream in my bedroom out of anger. I come out and they're like, wow, mom, you must have been really angry. You didn't show that. Yeah, it was stuck energy. I just needed to let it out. And you'll find that after you release that emotion, after you let that energy move out of your body, it opens up space. It increases your capacity, your ability to be able to hold others, to do more. Because the reason why you're so edgy, the reason why you're so crunchy, the reason why you're so grumpy, the reason why everything feels like it's a burden is because you're not moving the energy in your body to give yourself more space. Things are going to happen in your life that are going to suck. They're going to hurt like hell. I don't care what you belong to. Suffering is part of the journey. And if anyone, even on a spiritual path, tells you that it's all light and love, run like hell, because that's not true. We're here to experience the full range of emotions. We're here to journey together to see and connect how we can. And in the same instance that I feel hurt by these people and dropped by some of them, right? Disconnected by them. There's a way that if they ever called me back, I'd be willing to open my heart and to sit down and try to connect again. And I think that's the part that people don't like to acknowledge or see is like, I'm always willing. I'm always willing. And I can't say that I was always that way, but I am today. And it's a constant practice. You know, if you're divorced, you know that as a co-parent. It's a constant practice to always have an open door, to always be there for your ex as the mother or the father of your children, as a person that you spent many, many years with. And there's a deep, deep holding that needs to happen in your body. of like, yeah, I hear that's what you think happened. I hear that in your experience, that's what you believe happened. And I'm okay in my experience, in my body, saying that wasn't what it was for me. But you do you, boo. The other part that happens is that a lot of people avoid having the hard conversations with you when there is a disconnect. Because if what you say is true, what do they do with the other person? If they have a conversation with you and they believe what you say is true, how does that impact their relationship with the other person? Can they look at that person the same? Maybe they see that maybe they see that, that person isn't as open as you are to have the conversation. Maybe it's too much for them to see. See, people don't like to surrender to the fact that they can't do anything to help people sometimes. When you deeply love someone, of course you want to see them do well in their life. And when you don't see them doing well, and when you see them taking a step backwards, it's a natural human experience to want to help and rescue them or fix them or adjust them. And it's even much harder to say, I love this person enough that I'm going to leave them where they're at. 
I'm going to trust their journey they're on and I'm not going to collude with them and I'm not going to justify this crappy behavior that they're doing and I'm not going to participate in their victimhood. This episode was jam-packed with a lot of different subjects in regards to people disliking you or seeing you as a villain. And if you, if any of it resonated for you and you want to talk about it any further, feel free to check out my bio on Instagram and set up a connection call. You can find me at Rosemary underscore PHX, abbreviation for Phoenix, on Instagram. Thank you for listening to The Living Podcast with Rosemary Burgos. If you're interested in finding out ways to work with me or to set up a connection call to get to know each other, please visit my website, rosemaryburgos.com. Have a blessed day.